A number of people reached out to me in the last couple of days and asked me if I would be offering some words of chizuk, something, just something to possibly keep us going. And I just want to start describing to you a little bit of my own personal feelings at that time, and they've been with me ever since. We were there. Every single one of us pretty much was there. And probably every single one of us walked down those stairs, went past that passageway at some point during the night. And I was already on the bus on the way back to Yishalayim when we heard the terrible, tragic news. And two thoughts went through my head at that moment. Number one, my son was on the way. I didn't know, was he there yet? Where was he? And number two, we had Baruch Hashem, a beautiful group of boys who were there. Where were they? There were so many people, there were so many different conflicting reports, what was happening, what was going on. It was impossible to know. You've got a group of boys there. Where could they be? Who knows? Who could have been at that moment in that place? And I, I cannot describe to you the thoughts that were going on, the pictures that went through my mind, which have been plaguing me ever since. Of what, what happens? What would have been? Chazdeh Hashem. And I thank the Rabbi Shalom every moment. That both my son and every single one of you were saved well and healthy. But unfortunately, not everybody was. And as the pictures and the names come in, as they came in before Shabbos, already Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, some more Matzah Shabbos, names that we do recognize, names we don't recognize, it's irrelevant really because it's all Mishpacha, they're all Yidin, they're part of us, it feels like part of our Mishpacha. Some of, some of them are familiar names, some of them are familiar faces. Sometimes, oh, I remember him. Somebody called me this afternoon to tell me that one of those that were killed was a very big a big Talmud of mine, without me even knowing it, to listen to all the Shurim, he read all the Sfarim, to constantly discuss me with other people. It's so difficult. It brings it close to home. 45 people. That means there are 45 families that have changed forever. Hundreds, if not thousands of people will be changed because of this. Children will grow up without a father. A wife will have to continue the family without her husband. Siblings, children. To see an image of a father giving a hesped at his son's levire is something that we should never know of, we should never see. But that's what happened. Many of you, many of you, saw images of things that you should never see and nobody should see. Images of of bodies, images of the chaos, which I'm sure is inside, but it's, it's, it's important to express. And the big question is why? Why? This is Reb Shimon's day, all the stories we've heard of Tzadikim that would run in with children that died, and Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon, you've got to do this for my child, and Tres 
the miracles that we heard that went on in Lag Boimah, the Yeshua's that people got by Rib Shimon. It doesn't make sense. How do we process this? What are we meant to be thinking? What is our avoida at this time? What's our reaction to such a tragedy? And yes, there are people that are busy pointing fingers. It's this fault. It's because of this. There was a slippery and because they closed the gate and they weren't watching and they pleaded. It. It's all a distraction. It's natural. We're a human being. We like to look for reasons. We like to understand. It's all a distraction. It's not what we're meant to be thinking. That's not our job. Maybe at one point someone has to deal with that, but that's not for us. That's not for us to figure out why it happened. Our reaction has to be of a yid. How does a yid react in such a situation? So you're familiar with what I sent out in Erev Shabbos, that even a yid that has such a tremendous level of emunah and bitochen can even find himself grappling with certain concepts of suffering in this world. Moshe Rabbeinu, as the Medrash tells us very clearly, Shemoshe Rabba, ask the Rabbeinu Shalolam, Hareini Nois Kvaidecha, show me your glory, which the Medrash understands, the Gemara brings it. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to understand why is it that good people have such hard lives? These are good people. These are tzaddikim. They did good things. These were koilal people. These were avreichim. These were tamidei chachomim. These were people sitting and learning. They came to Reb Shimon to daven. They came to Reb Shimon to get a Yeshua. To get close to the Rabbani Shalai. And that's why they came. They didn't come for the party. They came to get closer to Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu grappled with this question. And he begged the Rabbani Shalom, Explain to me. Help me. I don't understand the world. And what did Rabbani Shalom respond? It's impossible. A human being cannot comprehend how I run the world. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to you. And not only that, Chazal tell us, but they so Ruge Malchus, that when they wanted to understand by Rabbi Kiva, famous, Rabbi Kiva died the most gruesome death, a horrible, horrible way of dying. And the Malachim started screaming, Rabbi Shalom, what is this? This is Rabbi Kiva, Talmidei Chachamim, 24,000 Talmidim, look what he did to the world, the Torah that came down because Rabbi Kiva, this is how he died. How does that make sense? And you know what the Rabbi Shalom said? There is no way you can understand, the only way you will understand, if I take apart the entire world from the beginning of time until now, to completely take it apart, and have to put it back together again. That's the only way you'll understand. You won't understand. And that's how a yid has to live. And that's our reaction to tragedy. Our reaction is exactly that. We don't understand. We don't need to understand. When Hushimshim Pinkas Zatzal died in a car crash, together with his wife, together with his daughter, right before Pesach 2001, you can imagine the Torah world was devastated. Rabbi Shimshon Pincus was mamish. Ah, you see all the svarim, all the tapes, how much Torah he gave to the world, what he did. They were devastated. Rabbi Pincus, his wife and his daughter in the same car, killed instantly. How can this be? Rabbi Pincus, his father, Rabbi Avram Zatel, who I was to hear shiurim from him myself, in yeshiva. See, he was a tremendous Talmud Chacham. In fact, he was one of the few Bachrim 
that went from America to the Me Yeshiva in Poland. And he stood up at his son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter's Leviah. Strength that takes. And he stood up by that Leviah. And he stunned the crowd with the following. And he said, when a person is delving into a sugya, the person is trying to figure out a pshat and a toysvus, what does he do? Can't figure it out. Go over it again. Still can't figure it out. Go over it again. And if you still can't figure out what pshat is, what do you do? You go weiter. You move on. Said Rabbi Shinshon Pinkas, Atzal's father, with bitter tears, said Rabbi I don't understand pshat. It's a shvera toysvus. But if we can't understand, we go weiter. That's how it is. That's a Yid's response to tragedy. That's a Yid's response. It's almost like a person walks into a cockpit. He walks into a cockpit of an aeroplane. And he says to the pilot, tell me something. What does that button over there do? And the pilot looks at him and he laughs. He says, that button? You have to understand. That button goes together with that button. That goes. To, it's, it's, it's a whole series. Not what does that do? We can't ask the Rabbonish on why this happened. There's a whole bigger picture that we're not a part of. But we have to go on. We have to understand there's a Boyayolam. There's Ashkocha Pratis. There's everything in the world that the Rabbonish put into this world from the beginning of time until the end of time that the Rabbonish understood and planned that everything is going according to his plan. Capital H. We, as human beings, cannot simply comprehend it. That's our reaction. Like the Chavetz Chaim brings a moshul. A guy walks into a shul and he sees the Gabba giving out aliyahs. And he doesn't understand. Why is he giving it that one? And then he gives that one, then he gives that one. Oh, well, I don't understand. What about him? Or what about... So he goes over to the Gabba and says, excuse me, it's not nice. You skip that guy, you skip that guy. The Gabba says, you don't understand. Last week, he had already an aliyah. Next week, he's having a, a bar mitzvah for his son. So he's getting one next week. There's a cheshben. If you walk into the shul, you don't realize the cheshben. We're on this world for a mere 120 years. 120 years. What do we understand? We don't understand. But that's our avodah. And that's our reaction. I just want to end with one incredible maisa, which is a true story, which happened a number of years ago. This does not answer what happened. And we're not trying to answer. We need an urim v'tumim. We need a kayin gadol. We need the Beis HaMikdash. We need the Shechina to understand this. It's impossible. There's no one in this generation that can tell you why. But there's got to be an understanding that Rabbi Nishlam is running the world. And it will be such a shame to let this opportunity pass. The world is a different world now. Lag Bo'im Tovshin Pei Aleph took place and it's something that none of us will ever forget and none of us should ever forget. We have to live differently. We have to do things differently. Otherwise, it would be a waste. There's obviously a message. What it is, nobody could tell you. But it means the Rabbanu Shalom is shouting. The Rabbanu Shalom is shouting. There's something there. We have to do something. And I just want to end with one incredible story just to show you how the Rabbanu Shalom runs the world. And again, it doesn't answer what happened. We're not looking to answer. But just because we're human beings and we'd like to understand some idea. So I want to give you a story that took place. It was a city about an hour away from France that was not Zoycha to have its own mikvah. And because it wasn't Zoycha to have its own mikvah, it was very difficult for the women over there to practice Taras Mishpacha, to go to mikvah, to go traveling an hour there to France, an hour back. 
Some of them didn't want to do it. Some of them did want to do it. It was always a challenge. So there was a Yid over there. His name was Dov Mizra. Dov Mizra lived in a small community. And he decided if no one's doing something about this, I'm doing something about it. I'm taking the matter into my own hands. He lived in a small community. He said, you know what? I'm going to build this mikvah with my own bare hands. He had a small part of land at the back of his garden, which he didn't really want to use. An entrance to the street. He said, perfect. This will be the mikvah. It took him three and a half years. He didn't have any fancy tools or contractors. He literally dug it with his own hands, with a spade and a bucket, and eventually brought in people to do tiles. And eventually, he figured it out. After that amount of time, the mikvah was built. They got Rabbonim to come and inspect it. It was an incredible, incredible thing. They had a mikvah now in this community. What was serious nefesh? Years of work, a lot of money spent, a lot of effort to make this mikvah. Now, because it was in his backyard, he made sure that it was, you know, it was a private place. It was, it was, it was tenuous. Nobody saw who went in, who went out. But one thing he had to make sure of, that the door was always closed. Hey, after all, he had kids. And he wanted to make sure that nobody goes in. So he always made sure. Make sure, big signs there. Make sure the door of the mikvah remains closed at all times. Closed and locked. The bolt was on the top. No child could reach it. Perfect. Okay. The day came, unfortunately, where the unthinkable happened. And this year, Dov had a son called Shloimer. Shloimer was once playing in the backyard. He was a year and three months old. He was playing in the backyard. The door to the mikvah was obviously left open. And the beautiful child found a way into the mikvah. He must have tripped on the stairs. Because an hour later when they came to look for the child... They found him at the bottom of the mikvah, and he was no longer alive. Dov and Esther and the rest of their nine children, nine sons, were totally broken. How could it be? We were Moisa Nefesh for mikvah. Look what we did to Haris Yisrael. We helped Yidden. We helped women go to the mikvah. We, we, we did everything for purity, and this is, this is our reward? How does that make sense? They couldn't deal with it. They couldn't do that. How could someone in the whole community was at loss? Someone that had done such mysterious nefesh for a mitzvah lost their precious child through that mitzvah, in that very mikvah. They wanted to accept it, but they struggled. It was very, very difficult. Dov, the father, th- flew to Eretz Yisrael with his son's very, very tiny little coffin. And after burying his child on Hamanuchas, he traveled back to France. With him, and his wife and his nine boys now, he did have ten, were mourning and sitting shiver for the loss of their son and sibling. And people were always saying that, wow, you've got ten sons, wherever you go, you have a minion, it's incredible. And now they felt like they were incomplete. They only had nine sons. A short while after he came home, Dob had a dream, in which an old man with a white beard spoke to him and introduced himself as one of the ballet toysters. And this Baletosus told Dov that I had given my life Al-Kiddush Hashem. I died at the time of the Crusades. I was killed. And I gave my life to Kiddush Hashem. And as soon as he heard that, Dov woke up in a sweat. What was that? That was a horrible dream. Okay, it's gone. Went back to sleep. He saw the man again. And the man said, don't worry. It's okay. I'm just coming here to tell you and explain to you the recent events. He said, when I was killed many years ago, I came to Shomayim and I ascended 
to the highest levels where no one else was able to ascend. Because I had died that type of death. The highest form of death. But when I reached the very highest level, they wouldn't let me go up anymore. The angels, the Malachim, informed me that since I had never received a tahara, I had never gone to the mikvah after my death. Because when a person is killed with blood all over him, they don't dip him into the mikvah. So because of that, I wasn't able to ascend any higher because I didn't receive a purification. The man with the white beard continued to speak. He said, In Shamayim, the heavenly court informed me that in order to reach the last level, I would have to descend one more time in this world. I would have to immerse myself one time in a kosher mikvah. And the Rabboni Shalom knew of the Mesiris Nefesh that you had for that mikvah. It was the purest mikvah in the world. And the Rabboni Shalom said, I want to send you down to that mikvah. And at the age of one year and three months, I got my purification. And he said, and he ended the dream and said, just so you should know this dream is true, I promise you that at the end of the year, you'll be blessed with a daughter. And just under a year, Dov and Esther were blessed with a baby girl, their very first daughter, after ten boys. The story was told over by someone that saw the mikvah and met the little girl born a year after the tragedy. Dov told him the entire story and instructed him to repeat it every time that he heard that a young child had died. It doesn't give us any answers, but it tells us one thing, that the Rabboni Shalom runs the world in a perfect manner. We don't understand, we don't need to understand. We just have to know that the Rabboni Shalom runs the world. Please, Hashem, the Rabboni Shalom should give all of Klal Yisrael a Nechama.